Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today, as we begin a new series in the book of Jonah, we will discover the tension between God's ideas for life and our own. We will begin to understand that even when we say no to God and pursue our other ideas, God still follows and reaches out to us. Today, we are beginning, as I shared with you, a brand new series around the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah is in the latter part of the Old Testament. It is considered to be a prophet. And uh, the thing about Jonah is, is that there's a lot of question marks surrounding the book of Jonah. Uh, believe it or not, we really don't know who wrote Jonah. We really don't know the specific date that Jonah was written down. We don't really even know if Jonah, as Jonah is portrayed in the book of Jonah, actually did what the book of Jonah says. There's a lot of question marks around it. But nevertheless, Jonah is written in this amazing story way that, that brings so much truth into our lives, brings so much truth into who God is, but also who we are in relation to God. And as I shared with you earlier, Jonah has something to say to just about any person who reads Jonah. And so I want us not necessarily to worry about the time or the person or anything like that, but I want us to worry about what God has to say to us in the midst of the story that he is telling us, in the midst of Jonah's back and forth, in the midst of Jonah's actions, in the midst of God's actions. Because God has a wonderful message for us in this book. Now, as, as we've talked about, all of us know about Jonah, right? You all have heard it, right? How many of you have seen the VeggieTales version of Jonah? Yes. I remember when Jonah came out for VeggieTales, it was a big deal because it was the first VeggieTales movie that went past a half an hour. <laughs> remember that? Uh, it was their first full-length feature. And uh, it has, it's just everybody knows about it, whether or not you've gone to church your entire life or you don't. It's, it's known in pop culture even. There is some, at some point, on some level, somebody knows about a guy in the Bible who gets swallowed by a fish, Right? You, can, you could ask a person on the street, hey, do you know about Jonah? And they say, oh yeah, the guy was eaten by the fish. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Very simple. But we're not going to start with the fish. We're going to start with Jonah. And we're going to begin today with Jonah's actions and heart and mind at the very beginning of this story. And it's amazing on, on what Jonah does and how he does it and how much it's similar to how we can be as human beings. So, I begin today with saying that Jonah, he had other ideas. You ever heard that before? He had other ideas, or she had other ideas, or fate had other ideas, or mother nature had other ideas, right? It's, it's a device in literature that is, showing, is, is foreshadowing what's about to happen. That even though these characters or these people who are about to, to move towards a goal, 
there's somebody within the party or there's somebody, the, the main character, or there's external things that cause it to go left instead of right. Because somebody had other ideas, right? We experience this in our own lives as well. It's many times when, if, if you have children, and you share with your children, hey, go do this chore, we often find out that our children have other ideas. <laughs> they go into the room to, to make it appear like they're about to do their chores, and maybe they have good intentions of doing their chores, right? And whether it be cleaning up the room or taking out the trash or something like that. Maybe they had a vacuum. But five minutes later, you go into that room where they went, and it hasn't been done yet. And instead, they had other ideas, like they got lost into their phone, or building something with Legos, or, you know, Barbie's kicking Ken out of the dollhouse again. I don't know. <laughs> Our kids do this all the time. They have other ideas from what we share with them, what we want them to do. But we don't just experience this as parents. We experience this in everyday life. You think about our friendships that we have. Perhaps you and your friend have talked about going out and doing something together for a while. And then as you start the, the, the day off or the evening off, you realize that your friend had some other ideas than what you had for ideas for fun. They go to the monocle museum or something, and you're like, why do I want to see anything about monocles? I don't want to see anything about monocles. You know what a monocle is, right? So, you know, the planner's nut guy, the professor, that's a monocle. Do any of you want to go see a monocle museum? Okay. <laughs> David, you and I will go later. <laughs> or, you know, there's also other things, too, where it's a lot more serious than just what you're going to do for the day. Oftentimes, people who are in love with one another, they plan to get married, and then a few years into their marriage, they come to the realization that, they didn't talk through their expectations of marriage, and the other had other ideas of what marriage was like. And conflict happens. Having other ideas often leads to conflict between two parties. Well, Jonah, as we meet Jonah for the first time in this story, we find out very quickly that he had other ideas than what God wanted him to do. I'd ask that you turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. You can also uh, read it on the screen as it will be available up for you. It's a hard book to find. It's four chapters long and it's in the middle of all these prophets. I, I remember on Monday when I started preparing for this week, I passed Jonah three times because it's just two pages in the midst of all of these other prophets. But Jonah, it's a very interesting guy. The story starts very simply. The Lord's word came to Jonah. You going to show that, Timothy? There you go. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up. I gotta wait, just wait. Don't read it yet. See this? So Jonah got up. 
to this point, you're thinking, all right, he's listening to God, right? And I think the writer intentionally puts this hyphen in there for this dramatic effect. Oh, look, Jonah's doing the right thing. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord? Okay, so Jonah's not doing what God asked him to do. In fact, Jonah, he went down to Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. And he paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. The ship, oh, so that there was a great storm on the sea, and the ship looked like it might be broken to pieces, and the sailors were terrified, and each one cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to make it lighter. Now Jonah had gone down into the hold of the vessel to lie down and was deep in sleep. The Hebrew actually elicits, he's snoring. <clears throat> Jonah was a snorer. The ship's officer came and said to him, how can you possibly be sleeping so deeply? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will give some thought to us so that we will not perish. Meanwhile, the sailors said to each other, come on, let's cast lots so that we might learn who is to blame for this evil that's happening to us. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, tell us, since you're the cause of the evil that is happening to us, what do you do and where are you from? What's your country and of what people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were terrified and said to him, what have you done? The men knew that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, what will we do about you so that the sea will become calm around us? Because the sea was continuing to rage. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm around you. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The men rowed to reach dry land, but they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. So they called on the Lord saying, Please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life and don't blame us for innocent blood. You are the Lord and whatever you want, you can do. And then they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. The men worshipped the Lord with a profound reverence, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made solemn promises. God comes to Jonah, and he asks him to do one thing. Cry out against Nineveh. Now, it's really interesting. I don't know if you know the relationship between Hebrews and Nineveh, but Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. It was a major enemy of the people of God. Politically, but it also was a place that was filled, as uh, Chuck just said out loud, of sin. They did things wrong. They, didn't they, they were pagans. They worshipped other gods. They worshipped themselves. They did whatever they wanted to do. 
We are talking about people who are radically different from who the people of God are, the Hebrews, who worship God, who look to, to, to confess the things that they do wrong to God, to, to be righteous, to be followers of God. And so God asks Jonah to go cry out against Nineveh. He's asking him to do something that probably every Jew would, would be chomping at the bit to do. Because you have to understand, the Jews were, were the chosen people. And these Ninevites, they weren't. And they probably deserved to hear a good talking to by a prophet. Go out and cry against them. But Jonah does something exactly opposite. He gets on a boat. You cannot get to Nineveh by boat. It is landlocked. It'd be like trying to go to Kansas City from here by boat. Good luck. I mean, it, you'd have to sail all the way down and then back. But anyways, it would not make sense for you to sail. <laughs> it would not make sense for you to sail to Kansas City from here. Okay. And what he decides to do is he says, no, I'm not going to do this. And we might think to ourselves, why in the world would Jonah do this? Because after all, it, why, why not cry out against it? Basically, he's just going to go say, guess what? God's going to destroy you. Have a nice day. But Jonah knows who God is. And Jonah knows that if potentially he does something that God might change his mind and forgive the Ninevites. So really, Jonah doesn't want to be called a false prophet because if he goes as a prophet and says, guess what, God is going to destroy you, and then they all repent and they all come to know God and he spares them, then all of a sudden the his reputation is tarnished. He has become a false prophet. We learn very quickly that Jonah would willfully disobey God to maintain his reputation. In fact, he would rather allow an entire city to die rather than be called wrong. He would rather an entire city die than rather be called wrong. Doesn't. Doesn't at all. And so what he thinks is he thinks, I'm going to run away. I'm going to get out of Dodge. I'm going to run away from God in such a way that he can't find me. Jonah knew God, and then he really was stupid. <laughs> and so he goes down to Joppa, and he gets onto this boat. And maybe he's talked himself out of this so much that he has the means to get on this boat. And these people happen to be going away from Nineveh. And he said, oh, well, you, look at these circumstances. I have the money to get on the boat. And guess what? I also have, you guys are going that way? Yeah, I'll get on there. I wouldn't be surprised if he talked himself into saying, maybe God's given me a choice out of this. He's given me the ability to run away. So I'm just going to go ahead and do this right now. 
So often when people are called by God to do something, we find ways, means and ways, to run away from the calling that God has placed on our lives. And we justify in ourselves, oh yeah, this is, this is fine. See, I can still do this. So he gets on the boat. And his plan's just working just fine. In fact, so well that he's going down into the bottom of the boat. He's comfortable. He starts sleeping. He starts snoring. And all of a sudden, the storm comes upon the boat, and it's rocking back and forth. And everybody on the boat is concerned about it, except for Jonah. Because you see, for Jonah, all that matters to him is getting away from God. It is out of sight. It is out of mind. There's no reason for me to worry about it, because I am out of the presence of God. And just because he asked me to do this doesn't mean I have to do this. Because guess what? Na, 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 na. I can't hear you. And as these sailors are trying to save their lives, even save Jonah's life, he doesn't care. Whenever they start throwing things off of the boat, if you, are, if you know anything about maritime things, maritime things, maritime actions, if you're in the middle of a storm, probably one of the worst things you can do is move stuff off the boat. <laughs> So you might be asking, why in the world would they be doing this? They're hurling things off the boat because they are thinking, our God is angry with us. Let's sacrifice, maybe, maybe this, this thing of chickens that we have, maybe we need to sacrifice it to this God or whatever it might be. Let's throw this off and throw this off. They are trying their last ditch efforts to figure out how to get through this storm. And finally, the captain goes downstairs. And the, the Hebrew that is here, it doesn't really do justice in this translation. But it's, it's been talked about often throughout the Bible. And it's called, Arise, O Sleeper. Arise, O Sleeper. We need to figure out what's going on. So they cast lots. Which was very normal for this time of day. Or this, this time and day. Where they would cast lots and presume that the gods or God would tell them exactly what they needed to know in that time. It'd be like dice, right? And it fell on Jonah. And so they're like, so you are the problem. Who are you? And he shares who he is. And he shares that he's running away from the one true God. They have heard of this God. They didn't necessarily believe in this God. But they have heard of Yahweh, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, who brought the Hebrews out of slavery, who cast amazing plagues upon Egypt, who made them into a great nation. They know about this God. And they are terrified. They're more terrified of God than Jonah is terrified of God. And so he says to them, just throw me over. That will take care of it. And what's really impressive is that they don't take him at his word at first. They even try something else. They try to row. They don't want to kill him. They don't want to throw him overboard. But whenever Jonah says to them, Throw me overboard. 
Some of us might think, oh, look, Jonah, maybe Jonah's getting it right now. Maybe he's getting it. Maybe he's saying that he has to sacrifice himself so that other people might live. But then you come to the realization that Jonah has been running away from God. He fell asleep to ignore God. And then if he were to die, the original calling upon his life would not happen. Jonah has retreated so much from God that he would rather die than do what God has asked him to do. So a lot of us think, oh yeah, Jonah's getting it. No, he's not. He's still getting what he wants. He still wants to run away from God completely. If he dies, he doesn't have to do what God has asked him to do. The goal of some people. They do it. They finally throw him over. And they hope and they pray that this is not going to cause more issues. And as soon as he goes into the water, the sea is calmed. And they gave praise and worship to God. The God that they didn't know. The God that they only had heard about. The God, the one true God. Now I go over these details with you very simply because well, and a little bit in a bit bigger of an exposition because the reality of it is, is that each action that Jonah does and each action that God does means something for us. So let's start really simply with Jonah running away from God. When God asks people to do something, he wants us to do it. He wanted Jonah to go talk to Nineveh. When God comes to you and shares with you something of like giving your heart to him, of leaving behind a sin, of letting go of anger, of moving forward in reconciliation with somebody, all of these different kinds of things that we do as, as faithful people, when God puts it on our hearts, do you think that he just wants us to run away? No. And as soon as it is revealed to you or I what we need to do next, whether it's forgiving our brother or sister, or whether it is to stop sinning in a certain kind of way, or if it is to serve in a greater capacity the community, or to love people who are completely different from us, or to go to terrible countries and do his work and see people as people, When he asks us to do these things, he wants us to do it. And if you say, na, 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 I can't hear you, it doesn't change the calling on your life. It didn't change the calling on Jonah's life. And God will follow you around. But then the next thing that we begin to understand that when we willfully disobey God and we are outside of his will, we understand too that there are going to be storms that come our way because guess what? We didn't obey. 
Because the best way for you to live is to be at the center of God's will. You don't have to be a prophet to experience storms and say no to God. You could come here some Sunday morning and you've heard that we are to love our neighbors as yourselves and you cannot stand your neighbor and you decide, yeah, I'm going to ignore that fact. Guess what? The thing, the thing between you and your neighbor is not going to get better if you, don't, you still don't love that neighbor. There's going to be storms. But those storms not only affect you personally, they also affect people around you. As this storm not only affected Jonah, it affected the sailors that were in the same boat. And so when we sin, when we willfully disobey what God has asked us to do, we are putting the people around us at risk for storms, not just our own storms. When God asks us to give up lust or God asks us to give up anger and God asks us to give up greed and envy and all of these different kinds of things that we talk about that that hurt us, and we say, no, guess what? Your kids are going to experience the wrath of your disobedience. Your family, your spouse, your friends, your, your strain, strangers around you will experience storms that you are in. Because you have decided, no, I can do it myself. I can do my own thing. That's the first thing we can learn from this, is that when we disobey God, when we just say no, there will be storms in our lives, and it will affect more than just yourself. But then, even though he's willing to say no, even though his own preference, even though his own ego is battling with God. God still works. The reality is the book of Jonah is the ultimate story between ego and God. It's about us having other ideas and God having other ideas. And even when we decide to go along with our own ideas, when we willfully disobey, believe it or not, God is still going to work. And it's evidenced by these sailors. These sailors, who he shouldn't have even hung out with because he should have been on his way to Nineveh, get thrown into this mess. But by the end, these sailors who didn't know God were worshiping God. They were praising God. Because God, even in the midst of our nose, will still find ways to bring people to Him for good to happen into the world. And so you might think to yourself, well, why, if, if God's going to still work outside of my no, why, why do I need to say no? Because God, the creator of the world, the savior of the world, the one who is far older than you, always, 
the one who understands who you are and how the world works, who understands all things, that God has invited you to do something big. That God, the ultimate good, the ultimate truth, the ultimate everything, has invited us to do something with Him. He has invited us to be a part of His redemptive work in the world. Why should you do it? Is there any other reason other than the one true King, Lord of Lords, God of all gods, the only one true God has asked you to do it? Because he loves you. He loves us so much that he just doesn't want to work around us. He wants to work with us. For those who are married, how many of us really understand that love is working with your spouse when it's the toughest? And the only thing that causes you to work with each other is the love you have for one another. For parents, the only reason that we keep on nagging our kids and just and keep working with them is because we love them. The reason you don't give up on your mom or your dad when they begin to lose consciousness, they lose their memory, is because you love them. God loves us so much that He wants us, He wants to work with us. So the good news that he will still work around our nose doesn't mean that you should just, you know, oh, I give up. No. Say yes. There might be even greater things that happen to your yes. Greater things that happen within you. Greater things that happen within your family and your friends and in the world around you. When God calls, answer with a yes. Now, you and I aren't all called to be prophets. We're not all called to the countries that we consider to be the worst places in the world. But we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. We are called into loving God with everything. We are called into a life of peace. We're li- we are called to, to live into a, a reality of love so much that we love our enemies as ourselves. We love those who are hurting around us. We take the time to worry about the least of these. So you might not be called to move to Africa or to the worst places in the world that some people would like to say, but rather we are called still to love them. We are called to love each other. We 
We are called to leave things that hinder our relationships with others. We are called to leave things that have put up a wall between us and other people. We are called to leave things that are willful transgressions against God. Yeah, David's right. We're called to faith. But that faith changes you. God changes you in such a way that you leave things behind. You leave that website. You leave that anger and that hatred that you have for somebody because they hurt you. You leave the prejudice that you have against people from certain parts of the world. You leave that sorrow that has kept you down in such a way that everything else is wrong. You leave the, the terrible necessity to be right all the time. You leave your ideas what this life is supposed to be like. No. You leave to follow God in everything. You leave to follow God in everything. And so today, the greatest thing that you can leave this place doing is to live into what God has called you to be. And do. To live, a life, to live a life defined by him and not by your own thoughts and processes. You wouldn't believe, though, how many people think that they can love God and follow God and still hold on to certain things. Oh yeah, God, I will follow you. But you know what, God? I have this habit of mine. I don't, it makes me feel better. So I'm, I'm not going to leave that and follow you. And God's saying, leave it behind. Jesus asks us to leave prejudices and our angers, all of the things that we've just talked about. But if we hold on to it, what we end up having is not faith. What we end up having is not a journey with God. What we end up having is religion. And you can have whatever religion you want. It's very obvious. Do you know that there's a church within about a quarter mile of this church? Do you know that there's other faiths that have buildings in our city that are near us? Do you know that there's a box in our living room right now that has a religion with a very weird-shaped ball and people tackle each other all the time? There's a religion. You can get whatever religion that you want. And you can frame it to people saying, Oh yeah, I love Jesus! I love God. I follow God. But guess what? 
when, it, when your actions begin to show that you are not loving towards people, that you have not let go of things, when you are still doing certain things, guess what? People see that you're following your own version of religion. You're just like Jonah saying, na, 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 na. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to hold on to what I believe to be the most true thing possible. When God is saying, no, you're wrong. I called you to be this, but you're doing this. And every single time that we ignore him, we're just like Jonah. And storms pop up. So I'm here to say to you right now, if your life always feels like it's falling apart, do you think you might be doing something, you might be doing everything right? Or maybe God has called you to do something different and you just have ignored it. And you keep on digging in your heels and saying, I'm still going to spend my money the way I think it is. No, I'm still going to treat my spouse like they don't deserve my love. No, I'm still going to do the habit that I like that makes me feel good. No, I'm going to say what I want to say and be right and say whatever words I think to be right. Do you have storms when you do that? Yeah, you do. But if you say yes to God, yes to his life of love, yes to the things that he has called you to, your storms will only come in conflict when other people keep on saying, my way's, my way's right, my way's right, my way's right. I'm not saying that if you follow God, you're never going to have storms. Because guess what? There are millions of people, billions of people on this planet that does what they want all the time. But if you follow God, you make the world that much better by trusting Him, by believing Him, by doing as He has asked. And you might think to yourself, this sounds difficult. This sounds, like, this sounds like something I don't want to do. I have to give up my wants and my desires. Yeah. Because guess what? At the end of the day, you and I are just human. And we don't get everything. And because humans don't get everything, it's obvious why we have so much problems in the world. Why we have so many st storms in the world. So saying yes to God not only accepts what he has asked you to do, but it also means this, that you're accepting that how God chooses to act, how God chooses to call you is his own prerogative. And trusting and believing that what he has called you to do and how he continues to act is good. It's really good. It's right, it's truthful, and it's filled with love. And that's tough sometimes. 
Because again, we like to find our own versions of religion. We like to find our own versions of pastors and churches that say, oh, I can do this and go to your church? I'll come to your church. I can believe this and go to your church? I'll go to your church. Oh, you guys are about this political party? Oh, I'm going to your church. So when God comes to you and calls you to do something, to live into a brand new life, do it. Trust him. Have faith. And if it sounds scary and if it sounds completely unnatural to you, let me share something with you. Because we're not going to go any further in Jonah today. We are going to end with this conflict. Jonah's in the water. Don't read ahead. It's going to be in the water for an entire week. (laughs) Just kidding. But I want you to hear me out on something. As I said, not every person's called to be a prophet. Not every person's called to be a pastor. But we're all called to the life of love that God gives us through Jesus Christ. We're all called to that. But as a pastor, as a person who says that there are certain things that happen for us, for me and my wife to live certain places and be certain places, we believe that there are calls on our lives to go do something. And so I want to share something that's really funny. I think it's funny. I'm originally from Warren, Pennsylvania. Warren, Pennsylvania is smaller than Warren, Ohio. Very similar in culture. A lot of industry has gone away. The difference is we have hills. And whenever I graduated from high school, I felt God was calling me to a school down in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, I thought he was calling me to music. But either way, I knew for a fact that he was calling me to Nashville. And let me tell you something. When you, the small town guy, small town young adult, is going to the big city, you start thinking through some things. After that first year in Nashville, I'm thinking to myself, I ain't ever going back. I am never going back to Warren. I, it's in my rearview mirror. There's no reason for me to ever live here or come back to this or anything like that. And it was there at Trevecca that I received my call to ministry as a pastor. And from there, God called me to Kansas City. I don't know why, but I did go to Kansas City. <laughs> Little did I know that by year five in Kansas City, I would ask this beautiful woman to marry me. And then God called me to New Philadelphia. Us to New Philadelphia. And you have to think that I had to smile a little bit and that God was laughing a little bit whenever I received the next calling to warn Sure, it's not Warren, Pennsylvania. But I said to God, I'm never moving back to Warren. And here I am. (laughs) 
And I can tell you that since Brooke and I have arrived, sure, is, is Warren, Ohio the place where young adults like to hang out? Like there's a really cool crowd scene of people really hanging out in Warren? No, they're on Cleveland. <laughs> Maybe. Is Warren, Ohio a glamorous place to be? Well, you all look pretty good, so I would say yes. But since we have arrived, because God called us, we have seen things happen. I cannot tell you how I've seen some of you give up certain things to follow God in a greater, more amazing way, and it's changing lives. We have seen new people come to know the Lord and be baptized. We have seen new people come into this sanctuary and begin to follow God by giving up things of the past. We have seen people come back to this sanctuary from things that hurt them in the past and they are following God once again. And it's because God is working amongst us. Because God has placed Brooke and I here and God has placed you here and we are seeing new things happen. Good things happen. Why follow God? Why obey Him? Because He offers you the best life possible. Now, have we had totally smooth sailing thus far? No. Some of us have had conflict. I've had to shovel a lot more than I used to. <laughs> Not everything is peaches and cream. But I can tell you that if we were outside of God's will, things wouldn't be happening in the way that they're happening. God would not be working in the way that He's working in our lives and in our marriage and in our relationships with you and in your relationships with people outside of this church. Follow God. Obey Him. Trust me. His ideas are better than ours. Far greater than what we could ever know and understand. So today, as we close, are you willing to let go of your other ideas for your life and obeying God in all things? Thank you for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, visit us at championnaz.org.